Hi, I'm Anand Patel. And I'm Naomi Sheldon. And we're your hosts of The Pleasure Podcast. I'm a doctor specialising in sexual function. And I'm an actor-writer with an interest in the intimate. We want to fill the gap in the nation's sex and relationship education through interviewing guests on how we relate to our bodies when it comes to sex, identity and, of course, pleasure. This week, we welcome German portrait photographer, music video and lesbian feminist porn director, Julia Schoenstatt. Julia is passionate about platforming unheard voices, working with prisoners, refugees, as well as sex workers, helping the world to see them beyond their labels. She co-founded the production company Sugar Town Girls, celebrating women who love women, but her work as a guest director for Erica Lust, the pioneer in feminist porn, was her first foray into the adult film world. Fed up with the mainstream representation of girl-on-girl porn, Julia's work centres on authentic content for the LGBTQ community. She sent us a couple of her films and they are breathtaking, fusing a music video aesthetic with erotica to create a delight for the senses far removed from the mainstream. You can access the films we discuss, All Eyes on Me and Pleasure Seeker, in the show notes. They are very sexy. We discuss the problems of mainstream porn and how ethical porn is fighting to counteract them, the duty of porn to a generation who rely on it for their sex education, how language is key when making sex scenes believable, and why revealing that she works in the sex industry was more scary than coming out. I've always been very keen on lending people a voice who might not find themselves in a strong position to speak for themselves or who might not be able to make their issues known to a wider audience. It is about the compassion that you apply to works of this kind, because for many people, it seems difficult to to see the human being behind those labels. Feminist porn is putting women in positions of responsibility to install the belief in them that their pleasure matters and their desire and their wishes are as important as you know, the male counterparts. For listeners who might not know uh, the name Erica Lust, how would you describe what she does? There is a lot of people out there who want to fight the mainstream industry. And there's a lot of anger. And what Erica does very successfully is she channels that energy and that anger as well and tries to manifest it into something new, into a positive change. She's also very outspoken about high standards, whether that's around fair pay or sexual health and consent, you know, those are all topics that are always part of that conversation about ethical porn. So the majority of sets that you have worked on, both cast and crew, have been have been women? I'd say 99%, yes. <laughs> Specifically in this work, we are shooting girl and girl only content. I think um, it was important to us to create a space where everyone feels safe, especially, of course, the performers. I think it's interesting that you specialise in women on women or lesbian porn, because, of course, this is one of the most searched for types of porn on mainstream sites. And I think can so often be seen through the male gaze in the most 
uh, obvious way. <laughs> and so actually what you're doing by doing feminist women-on-women porn seems sort of more radical even than if you had male-on-female porn. But I'd be interested to see, yeah, wh- whether you would ever be interested in doing that as well or whether actually this is your passion. No, not that... It has a different philosophy or ideology. I think shooting ethical straight porn is as important as shooting ethical gay or lesbian Because I'm wondering, could it be feminist when there is a, you know, how to do a feminist straight porn shoot? Oh, I do think that is very possible. I think that is pretty much what Erica does, right? Because Erica doesn't focus on lesbian content only. I think it kind of comes down to how you define feminism, right? For me, um, it is creating something that's equal. And um, why should it not be possible to create something equal between men and women? I think at the end of the day, that is what the wider goal is, right? And it won't ever be possible to do it without the men either you know we need men in this movement as well and we need men to understand and agree to all of those terms if you will so yeah I do think it definitely is possible whereas I personally am probably less interested in shooting straight content just because I am gay myself so it's definitely been my aspiration and motivation to create something that's authentic something that caters to the LGBT community that I personally am part of myself you know and I just talk about the sort of the first time you sort of stepped onto a porn your own porn shoot how was that for you it was exciting it was nerve-wracking at the same time um and it was a lot of hard work as well because a porn shoot is a film set like most others as well I think it's a lot less sexy than many people imagine. One of the main things that I learned that I didn't really think even so much about before was the language I had to use. For the explicit scene on my first set, I realised that I hadn't really prepared for that. (laughs) And if you're nervous, that definitely translates to everyone else being nervous as well you know and you also won't get what you ask for so I had to almost overcome myself a little as well and being very direct in my direction in the movement direction and what I need to see and what the what would look good on camera you know that was definitely one huge learning and takeaway from me on that first set I was probably a bit naive because one of the things I'm thinking of just because obviously pornography is for display the way it's being filmed is that so that you can see the action as it were which isn't necessarily the same way you might have sex yeah, sure. Because there is the barrier of curves of bodies, of arms, of yeah. hands, etc. So how did you negotiate that going, okay, so I, I understand what being intimate means and having, what having sex with a person is. How do I translate that to a visual? I think a lot has to do with, with communication with the performers and getting as much input from them as possible. One reason why it's important for me to work with women or non-binary people who enjoy intimacy with other women in their private lives as well is because they are closest to that real experience you know and they understand the best what I'm trying to do and 
at the end of the day, that makes them credible messengers to that mission as well, you know. And I think all of that together forms that final result. Yeah, and you very kindly shared a couple of your beautiful films with us. And I think that really came across, actually. I think it came across particularly on All Eyes on Me with the two uh, female performers there. It felt like... um, There was a huge amount of history between them. Uh, And it was quite a psychological film in some ways. The other one was more about fantasy, which was called Pleasure Seeker, which was, I have to say, extraordinarily sexy. I've never seen masturbation portrayed in such a sexy way. Oh, I'm so glad you hear that. But also you used uh, one of the same performers, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. So Adrena. do you tend to use similar performers again and again if you have particularly good relationships with them? Sometimes, as a director, you meet someone who just gets it, you know, someone you just click with yeah. them and they are just a great translator of what you dream up in your head, you know, and you are on the, on the same wavelength. And that is certainly what happened with Adrena. So doing All Eyes on Me, it was actually Adrena's first uh, time performing oh, wow. on, in front of camera, or at least, if I'm not mistaken, she does a bit of cam work on her own private channels as well but of course it's a different kind of work so I'm glad to hear you you found it very believable yes completely and also it's so refreshing to see someone I suppose I'm thinking of more kind of old school porn potentially here but I do still think that's very prevalent of you know you might think of I don't know perfect pussies and blown up massive boobs and sort of a rather Barbie doll figure and what's beautiful about Adrena is I mean she's absolutely stunning but she's also covered in tattoos she has a sort of can I say a recognisable labia I don't know (laughs) I didn't feel like I was like she hasn't I don't think she's had labiaplasty um but but it's gorgeous and sexy and sort of authentic and real and almost a bit punky I don't know there's there's something going on there that felt more real and I say that even though she's just absolutely gorgeous you know she's not your average average looking woman but I suppose it was less packaged in a way that feels sterile which you can see with mainstream porn and I think that's also I mean that sort of leads me into talking about the way that you use camera because what felt so different it's it is psychological we're cutting between times spaces it's really non-linear Whereas I'm so used to in classic classic porn, in inverted commas, that actually it's a bad script with a plumber arriving, checking a woman's pipes. And then inevitably sex ensues, but it's a very linear story and it ends up generally with external ejaculation somewhere. Whereas actually, I thought it was the most glamorous sort of sexy fashion shoot. I mean, you're filming as if it's like Vivian Westwood meets Galliano. Yeah in a slightly sort of Midsummer Night's Dream um, sort of uh, sexual experience. And it was extreme. I mean, at one point, I had no idea actually what was going on. There were two very close bodies. And I was going, uh, I can't quite interpret what their phys- the physical act is. And that, I thought, was interesting as well, because it's so obvious, it seems to be, in mainstream porn, exactly what is going to where and how. Whereas actually these two women were together in a way that, as a man looking at two women uh, having sex, I was going... I don't know what this is. I mean, in the end, it turned out to be a strap-on, but I didn't, I didn't know that. And, it was, and so I was going, is this a strap-on? And then you suddenly go, yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's a strap-on. It's a strap-on. <laughs> but, but that was the thing, because it, it kind of felt like it wasn't made for me. And I'm, I'm a gay man, so I recognise it's also not made for me. But right. it was not made for me to fully understand what was going on. And right, I really right. enjoyed that in an interesting way. 
the influences, um, all my background in, in music and fashion, mm. music video and fashion video has definitely been a huge influence on the porn filmmaking as well. That's what I would like to see, you know. So it's probably also been a very, maybe very selfish way no, of no, not selfish at all. approaching <laughs> I it. I loved it. There's something else that you do in, in both of those films. There's something to do with rhythm that I think is really interesting about how long we're on each shot. And we cut between shots quite regularly, not not super fast, but quite regularly. So there is always a refresher of stimulus. And whether that be a close up and then we pull away or suddenly the sound that I mean, brilliant music, but suddenly the sound cuts out and we hear the creak of latex or we hear the rustle of lace. And it feels very chosen when when we're hearing the sounds I mean, there was one point where I think, I mean, who knows, where I felt like she was having an actual orgasm when she was masturbating with the wand. And I felt I could really tell the difference between that, what was happening to her then, um, and other porn movies I've seen. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, <laughs> I don't imagine my husband. I went, yeah, she's actually, come, she is having an orgasm now. <laughs> it felt like it was, and it was extraordinarily sexy because the music cut out and you could hear her. And it was really, it was no, it was no screaming or anything like that. It was about breath, actually, and rhythm. And there's something yeah, to do yeah. with the, the cuts of the shots that I think felt for me very personally quite reflective of a female orgasm. It was complementary to my experience of what reaching a climax can be by changing the shots at, at certain rhythms and changing the um, aural stimulus as well as the visual. I'm glad it it works, you know, because of course the editing is such a big process or part of creating that final film or the fast edits and cuts in the, in the first and maybe even in the second film was definitely something we experimented with whereas the third film we shot I I didn't send you that one but that is totally the polar oh, wow. opposite of what we actually oh, did in the in the first two I think everything we learned there we kind of took into the third film and either took it to even more of an extreme or we went exactly the other way you know um I think that third film is the most romantic porn film I've ever seen at least <laughs> it's very slow it's very quiet um we've worked with two performers one who is a much curvier woman, a much curvier figure, and then one non-binary performer. So it's a very different film. But at the end of the day, again, like with all of those different approaches, I think we're always intending or always trying to be as authentic as we can be. And so when you're speaking, for example, to your performers, um, are you being very explicit in terms of um, this is the idea of what acts we will be representing on this shoot? in terms of consenting them beforehand? Oh, yeah, you have to be, definitely. Yeah, you have to be in order to find where the boundaries lie, you know, because that is also so important. You don't want to come to set and start shooting and realise, oh, no, one performer is actually not okay with doing X, Y, Z, you know. But also what I said earlier, that you, I come with ideas to the table but then um, the performers also bring their share and what ends up on screen is 
yeah, it's it's a team effort, you know, and um, I personally prefer having the performers give their own input as well. I want it to be a pleasant experience for the performers as well, because only then it will be realistic and authentic, you know. But yeah, definitely you need to absolutely be clear about and what it have is. You, have, you ha- have you had performers doing. say, oh, actually, I'm not comfortable with that or I don't want to do that? We had one performer who said they weren't comfortable with penetration, so we've had to work around that. But sexuality, human sexuality is such a broad and complex field. God, there's a million ways of how you can do things and translate them, you know. So, so far, it's not ever been an issue and it's, it's something you just have to respect. I wanted to ask a bit about the business of this, if that's okay, because obviously sure. you are putting together a product which um, you are selling. Um, how is, I mean, what has been the response, one, and how do you package it to the viewer to purchase? We were lucky in the sense that when working for Erica, a lot of that work is obviously shouldered by her. People know what she stands for. And they know what they get when they come to her website, you know, of which two of our films have been part of the ex-confession series. But I think another aspect of it is also doing exactly what we're doing right now, you know, speaking to people, speaking openly about it and making people aware of why it is important to pay for porn. That is one thing that I like to say to consumers of pornography educate yourselves you know and inform yourself who is it that is behind the porn that i'm watching and that i'm consuming because with every click and every subscription the consumer directly drives the direction in which the industry is going and it has a massive influence on the production value and the work ethos. And we need to ask ourselves if we want an industry that teaches the world that the most important thing about sex is the guy coming, you know, or is it uh, something else that we're, that we're looking for? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Is there a particular attitude to your profession within the lesbian community? Um, have you ever come across people who, you know, are, are extremely grateful for it, but also people who have certain prejudices about porn? There is a huge stigma still around the industry and people who work with sex. The feedback I've gotten from, from the community, from the LGBT plus community themselves has actually been great. I, I, I've, I've not had any negative feedback. And also in my personal environment, I've been very lucky. Like everyone understands what it is that I'm trying to do. I think my own concern has been mostly around how other clients of mine might react to that work because I have been told so many times that I won't be taken serious as a professional filmmaker or photographer, you know, if I shoot porn. And of course, it had an impact on me because I do this work under my real name. But I just thought, well, if I do this on a different name, I myself wouldn't be credible and I wouldn't be a credible messenger of my own mission. So it was very clear to me very, very early on that that was the only way I could do this. And I just always think, well, my professional skills haven't changed. And if anything, it's probably made me stronger and more resilient, to be honest. Yes, you're unapologetic about your work and you are standing by it. Absolutely. Yeah, very strong message. Uh, yeah, yeah. I won't be ashamed and I Good. won't apologise. Do your family know that you do this work? Yeah, yeah. At least my close family, my parents and my sister know. And at first I was a bit nervous because, um, of course, I myself have also grown up in this environment of shame and not talking about anything you know and um so it was almost a bit like a second coming out you know I didn't know what to expect really but god my parents were great they were so so amazing I could have literally not hoped for any better response and yeah my mom said well don't worry you know there's nothing to be ashamed of and and then I just knew that she fully understood what it is about for me and what I'm trying to do. Do you feel like directing porn has taught you anything about your own sexuality and desire? Well it's it's been very enriching because I think it's impossible to fully dive into this world of feminist porn and ignore the importance of those topics like consent and communication. And that's definitely been, yeah, an enriching factor. How have you managed to portray consent on screen, do you think? Oh, God, that is definitely tricky. That's a challenge for sure. I know that a lot of productions... What they do is there's a lot of talking in the films, you know, and there is talking about consent. You literally see it on screen. You hear it as an audience. You're you're becoming a witness of that conversation, you know. Whereas I think in my films at this point, it's it's been something that I hope you can feel that has happened and taken part beforehand, before the shoot, you know. 
by the way the performers are interacting with each other on screen it kind of portrays that there is a certain level of trust you know and and trust can only be built up by communication and consent so, so i hope that yeah like i was saying with all eyes on me through. i really felt like it felt consensual <laughs> it, it did in the very nature that because i think that it, there must be a way of being able to do it physically the, the body language is so important with that in mind do you think that porn has an important role to play in education or relationships or mental or physical health yeah most definitely most definitely i think we as a culture or society we definitely need to redefine and re-evaluate our conversation that we're having around sex and porn and we need to reckon with the harm we're causing and not doing so because I think we've kind of turned our backs a bit towards many matters of sex education and we've led porn take our place in a lot of cases and and by doing so we've left millions of young people alone with their questions and their concerns you know and and of course they're going to turn to the internet to, to find answers to the questions so I think it's really important that we're honest with ourselves and yeah to to face the fact that we have taught generations of people that it is okay you know to to come in a woman's face without asking her permission and and that that's okay and then we expect her to like it you know and it's not not even only just about consent it's also about diversity and sexuality as a whole and if we don't do that I think we've really done something wrong and I think we've also missed our duty of care so I think what we need is is a fundamental shift of lenses away from one of silence and not talking towards one of communication one that doesn't fear speaking about the uncomfortable you know what do you feel needs to change within the industry, um, specifically regarding um, the well-being of performers? One thing that I see as a problem is is the attitude towards people who work in sex. I think I said that earlier as well, specifically towards women who work in sex. Because the real struggle for a lot of performers begins actually offset and off in the offline world. Because we have this undercurrent of a ranked value system almost you know running through society that seems to see people working in the sex industry as worth less than others and I find that incredibly hypocritical in a world that is so hypersexualized, where the majority of internet traffic is made up of pornography you know and I read an interesting interview the other day with an American female performer who said, quite rightly, the industry will only be able to evolve once people start caring, you know, because it is exactly that stigma that can make it so difficult for performers to also access certain services. Performers are in such a vulnerable position, you know, with the work that they do, that I think it's incredibly important that we connect them with 
certain services they may need, you know, whether that is of psychological support or sexual health or any other support of, you know, different areas in life. Because even opening up a bank account can be challenging when you work in the sex industry. And also, since we live in this age of the internet, that's also brought down another barrier between the performer and the audience, you know, whereas in the times of DVD porn, you know, there was no direct way of contacting a performer. And from what I know, there's a lot of performers struggling with that as well. You know, the comments they receive mm. online that goes for the mainstream and the feminist of side of the industry. It feels like there's a flip side think, of the coin there. It's like a double-edged sword, isn't it? So I suppose social media, because it can equally be empowering by building your own brand and feeling like actually you've got more sort of financial control over the content that you put out yourself. But equally, it means that you're letting people in to speak to you directly. Exactly. And there is a lot of those platforms like OnlyFans that have become more popular and have grown. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised that they will grow even more in the future. It gives performers economical independence and 100% artistic control over their content. How do we ensure that the porn that we're enjoying is ethical? W would it be about making sure ultimately that you're paying for it? Is that what it comes down to? Yeah, essentially, yes. And I think, well, the concept, the idea of of consuming organic foods or slow fashion, you know, that is something that's kind of sunk into the minds of people. That is something that's accepted now and it reflects on society as a progressive one if, if they do so. And I think with pornography, it shouldn't be any different. So I think it's it's we've just gotten so used to porn being at our fingertips available for free that there needs to be a shift of awareness and consciousness. Every production company who has set themselves certain values, they will make sure you will know about it. You know, they will make that information easily available to you. And if you had any piece of advice to give to any creators or performers who want to get into the sex industry or the adult film industry, what would you say to them? Well, I think the, the, the main thing, the most important thing I would say to new performers is even as ethical as the production may be, you want to consider this decision very wisely, you know, because it, at the end of the day, it's still a job where, as I said, you put yourself in a very vulnerable position, you know, and once it's done, it cannot be taken back. And you should always be very aware of the implications that will have on your life, the impact it will have on your future, because it will. So you definitely should think about that beforehand. But what I know from working with Erica as well, is that this conversation always takes place as well with every new performer they take on as well. And that again reflects on what this industry is trying to do. They have this sense of responsibility to share all of those concerns with the performers beforehand, you know. And I think, yeah, that is probably, from where I stand, the, the best advice that I can give. <laughs>
You can catch the films we talk about, Pleasure Seeker and All Eyes on Me, at ericalust.com or xconfessions.com. For more information on Julia's work, check out her website, schoenstep.com. Links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Podcast. If you enjoy this, do share, review and subscribe on iTunes. It really does help other people find us and helps to give the series a boost. Please do give us five stars. Thank you to Acast for hosting us. Matt Peaver for editing us. Ollie Birch for the music. Gilad Vysotsky for the graphics. Join us next time when we interview another guest for their insights on the relationship we have to our bodies, sex and, of course, pleasure. pleasure.